passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And just like that, we're back. It's Thursday morning, February 18th, the year of our Lord, 2021. Snow all over the place. Got several new inches last night. I am still trapped serving the refugee lifestyle here in downtown Nashville. Happy to do it, though. No, I am doing it. Let me put it that way. Listen, I grew up in Georgia, and I was a fan, like a lot of other kids are in the deep south, of winter weather because we never get it. And so I moved far enough north where I could get enough taste of it to where, for the first time, I know what it feels like to be tired of winter weather. I know those of you who live in the northern climate, this is a lifestyle for you. Well, it's not my lifestyle. It's a brand new feeling for me. So I'm adjusting. I remember the first time I had a job. I remember the first time I paid taxes. You know, I remember getting a driver's license. I remember all of these things. Nothing has made me feel like an adult more than actually being tired of winter weather for the first time. So I don't know how to feel about it. Um, you know, a lot of emotions. But I will say this. I do at least still have that kid in me that made myself go outside at 2.45 in the morning and just walk around the block, taking pictures and whatnot. Because I know it's going to be 97 degrees here eventually. And at that point, I'll probably listen to what I just said and be sick. So here's another very pertinent piece of information. Because of the winter storm, I mean, we can't go anywhere right now. Nashville shut down. And so Late Kick Live tonight will come from the remote apartment studio. That means you get to see that nice, authentic wood background for my home studio. And I think that's its first appearance in 2021. So definitely put that on your calendar for tonight. Also, a lot of you have hit me up. A lot of you have given me a follow on Twitter and then hit me up. I don't care what order you do it in. We are very close to 13,000 followers there right now. Uh, we've been gaining 100 or so a day, and so I appreciate that, and here's why that's happening. I told you on the Sunday night Late Kick Live and then subsequently the Tuesday morning podcast, when we hit 13,000 on Twitter, it's just the next number that was closest, that looks nice and round, I'm going to do a brand new kind of show. You guys have been asking for different kinds of content, and you've had a lot of suggestions, but I think the best suggestion that we've had is organizing kind of a, a Zoom where multiple people, you guys, are joining me. And instead of just submitting questions, it's just us going back and forth. And it's not necessarily you give a question, I answer. Next person gives a question. I mean, it could be like that, but it also, it could just be interactive. It could be whatever we want it to be, in other words, because we have the freedom to do it. It's our show. It's our product. So we're really close. And this is not the last time we're going to do this. In fact, I think every time Probably every time we pass something on the thousand mark on Twitter, we'll just do something special like that. I've already got an idea for what I want to do with the next one, to be honest with you. So let's get that thing over 13,000 at Late Kick Josh is where to go. Just give me a follow. However you do it, I don't care. Go grab your cousin's account and follow me if you've already done it on yours. All right, so let's get it cranked up this morning. Uh, before I do start, I want to address two quick questions 
that I'm not ignoring. I'm just pushing them down the road a little bit. You know, I am doing to these questions what the NCAA is doing to the dead period. But I care about them, actually, unlike the NCAA with the dead period. So the first one was from Nick, and he said, let's say hypothetically you became founder and president of a multi-billion dollar company. You can only hire college football coaches to fill out your C-suite. So pick from the list current head coaches you would choose for CEO, COO, CTO, which is technology officer, CFO, financial officer, CMO, chief marketing officer. Now, I read the question because I want you to think on that because I am going to take a while to answer that one. That, that may end up being its own segment on Late Kick. I'm going to address it eventually. Gone to, gone to address it eventually. However, I'm not going to do it this morning because I'm not ready to answer it yet. So Nick, really good question. In fact, it's so good that I'm not even ready spur the moment to answer it. And there was another question about spring position battles. And I'm going to push that one down the road, not long, maybe a couple of more weeks. And then we're going to dive into a number of programs on that level. So I didn't want to just flippantly throw some stuff out this morning. So those questions have been seen. We're going to get to them. Now let's get to the questions that we actually do have to dive into this morning. Got a lot of good ones. And where do we want to go? Let's go Rocco first. So Rocco leads us off. He says, I have a question about the future of Georgia's quarterback room. Seems like all the chatter post-JT Daniels is centered around Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton, maybe competing for the job. And I'm just wondering why no one seems to be talking about Carson Beck. That's a good question. And you're right. Very few people talk about Carson Beck in that mix. I can only give you the feedback that I've gotten. So Carson Beck's already there. He's already been there a year. Brock Vandergriff is coming in with this class. So he is going to be a freshman this fall. And then also you got Gunnar Stockton, who isn't even on campus yet. He just committed. He's class of 2022. And yet those guys all get mentioned. You're right. More than Carson Beck. All I can tell you is anytime I've talked to someone close to the Georgia program, Carson Beck is a guy who just doesn't seem to be at the forefront of the conversation. I don't know that he figures prominently into the future plans there. Now, that could be wrong. I remember back in the spring, I want to say it was Aaron Murray, maybe. It was someone who had played there before, had attended a practice and watched the practice, and I think they spoke glowingly of Carson Beck. I don't know what they actually saw, so I have no... I mean, they may may have watched the warm-up flex period, and that was all they saw. But I do know that... Most of the time when you talk to someone there, it's JT Daniels, and then it's can Brock Vandergriff get ready for the following year? Um, Gunnar Stockton will come in, and if they need to go to the transfer portal maybe again, then they can go to the transfer portal again. But I don't really hear Carson Beck's name very often. And that's not a that's not a bad thing, by the way. That doesn't even mean you necessarily whiffed on the recruiting or evaluation aspect of a kid. It just means you've put better talent on your roster, and that's the ultimate goal. You want to recruit over guys. I'm going to talk about Oregon tonight, actually, on Late Kick Live. And Tyler Shuck was their starter last year, and he just left. You know, he's not even been a guy riding the bench. He was their starter, and he left. Why did he leave? Well, there's a lot of speculation out there. He didn't exactly hold a press conference outside the football facilities. But my guess, and a lot of other people's guesses, has been that he saw Ty Thompson coming in. And I believe that. I believe, at least to some degree, it was related to that. And when you got options, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. All right, next question is from Keeble. He said, hey, man, I noticed that every time I hear you talk about Penn State in 2020, you're confident it was more than likely just a one-off type year, and I feel the same way. But I feel like you and most other people seems far less certain that LSU's 2020 was just one-off. I mean, I'd say it's safe to say that LSU had a much more difficult hand than Penn State. Just curious on the thought process behind this. I don't think it's unfair to say that they had... Is that a double negative? I don't think it's... No. Okay, well, listen. It's not unfair, whether it's double negative or not. 
It's not unfair to say that LSU had a tougher hand. I think that you could also argue, though, some of it was self-inflicted. Whereas Penn State, well, no one chose the pandemic. But then Penn State didn't choose to be kind of disproportionately impacted relative to the pandemic. They didn't choose to have their best player opt out. They didn't choose to have their top two running backs hurt. Like a lot of a lot of things happened. James Franklin's family was really, really disproportionately impacted. A lot of things happened to them that I wouldn't call self-inflicted. Now, the bottom line is they happened. They happened. We got to zoom it out 50,000 foot view. 2020 is what it is at this point. We've moved to 2021. But yes, you're right. I have looked at 2020 for Penn State and I've said, listen, man, they're going to be back. They went, I think, 11 wins, 11 wins, 9 wins, 11 wins, or something like that. They averaged double-digit wins the previous four years. It wasn't a one-hit wonder type program or anything like that. So yeah, I do not look at four and five and going several weeks into the season winless before they finally got on the board, I don't look at that as being indicative of this program dropping off a cliff. I think they'll be right back. They're too good not to. They have too many things in place not to. Now, having said that with LSU, I do think that 2020 was a one-off in many ways, but here's the difference. When we're looking at Penn State, what level are we talking about them returning to? Well, we're talking about them returning to being able to contend, you know, being able to challenge for 10 wins. Well, if that was the only standard we were talking about with LSU, I could think they could get there. It's hard. I mean, they play several of the best teams in America every year. They play the best in America every year as a division opponent. It wouldn't be difficult for them to get back there. Think about the backdrop, though. Everything in 2020 was being judged on what backdrop? Well, that would be a championship win in New Orleans early, early in 2020, and then the 2019 season that set records all over the place. And of course, nothing was ever going to measure up to that. But the backdrop at Penn State is not a proven national championship winning formula. The formula at LSU worked in 2019. They won a championship with it. So now everyone has seen that it's possible. And so now every year you don't get it done. By default, that means something went wrong. And that's what people are looking at right now. A lot went wrong in 2020. They're asking, can they rectify the problems at LSU? And can they rectify the problems is only answered yes if you're contending for and competing for a national championship. Now, I don't have a problem with that being the standard at LSU. But then when we get down into the more minute details, it all stems around Ed Orgeron because we can overturn the roster. We can get better defensive talent in or just grow. I mean, they're, they're young. They just need to grow defensively. Uh, they can find their quarterback. Like They can do all these things, but there are teams out there that are going to have a good quarterback this year, that have a good enough roster, that are going to fall off uh, because they don't have the right dynamics in place. They don't have the right culture in place. Uh, the locker room's a mess. Is that going to be LSU? Or is LSU going to look at 2020? See, we got to figure out what the outlier was. In other words, in 2025, it'll be clear. But right now, we're we're right here in the aftermath of both of those occurrences. A great year, a terrible year. And so we got to figure out which one is the outlier. And when the freshest thing in your mind is a mess on the field and a mess off the field, and then you've got the exact same leadership in place at the head coach position that you did, instead of 2021 being a bounce back year, in my mind, it makes 2021 seem like a reset year, a prove it year. We could do a whole new mood tracker just for this very segment. But I think in 2021, yeah, I do have a little more trepidation about LSU. It won't be talent related or anything like that. And that's the good news. You know, if if we're overselling the potential issues in culture around the LSU program, you know, if we're wrong about that and culture is not an issue there, leadership is not an issue there, well, then they'll be fine because they'll have the raw talent that's needed to compete. Rolling on this Thursday morning, Samar hits us up. Hey, I got a question for the podcast. Which city do you enjoy more, Nashville or Atlanta? 
Also, which will happen first, humans on Mars or Tennessee beating Alabama? My money is on Mars. This is a cold-hearted, low blow of a question, Samar. I think at the very worst, the odds have got to be even money on the whole Mars versus Tennessee, Alabama, which happens first, okay? Let's not be rash. Even money. So let's make it a coin flip. Man on Mars or Tennessee beats Alabama. You know, this is a fascinating thing when you dive into it. This is one of the most storied rivalries in the history of the SEC. And you try and tell a 24-year-old kid or a 14-year-old kid that, uh, to be honest with you, if we walked up to a 30-year-old grown man with a wife and a sensible mortgage and three kids running around the playground, he'd also look at you funny if you said, Tennessee, Alabama, great rivalry. It just hasn't been in their lifetime, really. Uh, But it was once upon a time. Here's what I remember. I remember so vividly the first year Nick Saban came to Alabama, he struggled with a lot of teams. They lost to Louisiana Monroe. But yet, here's how bad it's been for Tennessee. Even in the one year where where Bama was bad under Saban, they still beat Tennessee. And it wasn't close. It was like a 41-17 to type game. I, I remember because I had a fair amount of money on this game. This was back in a day in my life where I was paying tuition by gambling, which is always a great strategy, kids. Don't get a job. You know, don't earn your money the honest way. Absolutely, employ a strategy that has bankrupted and financially crippled millions before you and will cripple millions after you. Well, I didn't know. I'm like I'm like Quint in the movie Jaws. I'm like Quint out in the Orca at night when he's telling the story of the Indianapolis. Well, I didn't know. That's a great scene, by the way. Shot it all in one take, I'm told. If you've never seen Jaws, the Indianapolis scene, just YouTube Jaws, Indianapolis scene. So um, speaking of Quint and Jaws and the Indianapolis scene and the Orca, I'm just tracing my steps back. Okay, Tennessee, Alabama. So um, I had a fair amount of money on the game. And so I remember watching it. I think it was like one of the Jefferson Pilot early window kickoffs. Saban went onside kick to start the game. They had suspended five guys right before the game. And there was no reason whatsoever why Alabama should win that game. And yet they still did. And this was not a this was not a Bryce Young, Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones-led Alabama. This was a John Parker Wilson-led Alabama team, and yet they still got it done. So they have not beaten Alabama. It's been 14 in a row that Saban has run off. And so it's 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 understandable. These kind of questions are understandable. Now, as for the first part, I went in reverse order here. As for the first part of the question, you know, there's a there's a lot of folks who have lived in both cities, Nashville and Atlanta. I am I am not qualified to answer the question, to be honest with you. And the reason I'm not is because I moved here to Nashville in January of 2020. Then, very shortly thereafter, we had a tornado that hit, sideswiped my building, hit a lot of other buildings. I've talked about that before. I've not gone in great, great detail. That was a bad night. That was a tough night. A lot of people died over here, and we were really, really close. And it was a, a middle-of-the-night thing. It was an EF3 tornado here. Ended up being an EF4 tornado. And it was, it, was, oof, it was rough. And you're talking to a guy here. You're listening to a guy, at least, who has a career in storm chasing. And even I'm telling you, that night was rough. But that happened, so we had to go refugee style. We had to be evacuated for about a week and a half, as I recall. That was the same week. That tornado was on Tuesday. That same week on Thursday, we launched Late Kick at 24-7. So that was an action-packed week, to say, to say the least. Staying in old Brentwood Suites down in Brentwood, Tennessee, during that entire ordeal. So then, obviously, that was in March. And then later in March, you have the pandemic happen. And so everything goes into lockdown in the city. And... I say all that to say this, I haven't even really 
lived in what Nashville normally would be like because things haven't fully opened back up. You know, I, I live in a place that would be, I mean, very, very, very lively. Live near a baseball stadium, Tennessee State Archives over here, that which doesn't interest a lot of you party goers. But, but I'm fascinated by history, so it does interest me. But there's a lot to do, and yet there's nothing to do. That's that would be my album cover. It would be lot to do, nothing to do. That would be my 2020, early 2021. But I'm not complaining because I mean I'm incredibly blessed. I trust me, I'm not complaining. But I also can't tell you what my experience in Nashville's been like because I really haven't experienced Nashville. All right, we roll on with Matthew's question. He asked, well, let me pull it back up. That was irresponsible. He said, my question is, which SEC defense do you think is looking best next year? Been lots of offense, but you can't win without something at least manageable on defense. So here's what I like to do. I like to get through spring with these questions. This is such a cop-out, but at least I'm admitting it. So I like to get through spring with these because here's what's going to happen. I think this year, maybe more so than any other year, percentage-wise, is we're going to have transfer portal activity after spring ball. And so what I want to do is know who's going to be on which team. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, there could be an impact transfer like Henry Toatoo which is how I've chosen to pronounce his name. I mean, where he lands could could alter an entire defense. And we don't know where he's going to be yet. Um, the smart money may be on Alabama, but that may be contingent on the SEC transfer rule passing. So we'll see how that works out. But I wait till I get through spring and I answer this question about pretty much every conference. So stay tuned for that. I will say, you know, Bama's fascinating to watch. I think LSU is really interesting to watch. Texas A&M. They had a bad hiccup there. Texas A&M has become a very consistent defensive commodity as of late. We saw what Barry Odom did with Sam Pittman's crew at Arkansas this past year. He kept him around. And so, you know, Georgia's there every year. I think there's a lot to still be proven on Florida's side of things. Todd Grantham is still at Florida. So there's a lot to be proven at a lot of places. I think we'll probably see a calibration period a little bit where it seems like well, it was a defensive conference, and now all of a sudden we got no defense being played. Things will calibrate. Things will balance out. I think it'll happen quicker than it did in the Big 12, too. And so it's an interesting question. Let me just hit the pause button. Let me bookmark that one. All right, we got questions about national champions here. A couple of them, about a couple of different programs. So let's pause, let's pay our bills, and we'll be back right after this. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. 
David keeps us going here. Straight up question. Is this Oklahoma's best year so far to win a national championship? I think it is. Well, I echo that sentiment, David. Yeah, I think it is. So there are two things kind of converging. The first thing is I think Lincoln Riley's got his best team. I've said that before. I don't think I'm alone on that island at all. But I think he's got his best team. And it's nice to have a balance finally to where you can't look at them and say, yeah, they're good offensively, but... See, what we used to follow the bud is well, they can't play defense at all. And then we get to this past year, and all of a sudden that Alex Grinch system and that formula starts to take root a little bit as the season goes on. And by the end of the year, Oklahoma, yeah, they were on the fringes of the playoff conversation. I don't know how realistic it was to expect them to be in the playoff because they lost two games early. However, look at the defensive product they were putting on the field and compare that even to what Ohio State and Alabama were doing. Those were the teams that played for title, and yet Oklahoma had a really good defensive product on the field that would rival what either of them were doing. And so the reason I bring that up is because a lot of that, a lot of those pieces and a lot of that formula returns this year, and now you've got consistency and returning experience at quarterback. you got talent all over the place, as they always have and always will under Lincoln Riley on offense, and they've got a vision, they've got an identity, like they know who they are. I think we have a pretty firm grip on who they are. What it's going to be now is the second point that I was going to make, and that's how does the rest of the country shake out? So if I know that I'm going to get a certain level of production, the level of play that I think I'm going to get from Oklahoma, let's just say my assumption is right. You know, let's say they're playing at a level of nine. Well, you know what we got to find out? We got to find out if college football is going to have any tens in 2021. They had one last year in Alabama. There weren't any others. And you saw what happened when a 10 gets on the field with an 8. End of story. Bama was just that much better. Well, I got a question coming up about them in just a second. But Oklahoma, they are what they are. What else do we have out there? Is it Alabama with Bryce Young coming in? See, the reason I mention this is because the other factor in the room is there's a lot of newness. Could be good newness, but there's a lot of newness. Places like Georgia, places like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, all the perennial contenders. There is newness. In a lot of cases, at the quarterback position itself, there's a lot of newness to where Oklahoma has proven commodities. And so I mean, if we know they can go 85, we got to find out if anyone can go 90 this year. It may be a perfect situation, perfect combination of Oklahoma being as good as they've been and that being good enough to win a title this year because no one else is able to reach maybe the heights that they individually as programs have reached in other years. Or, hey, it could be even if they do reach those heights. Oklahoma's just that darn good this year. Either of those things can happen. But yes, David, I do believe this is Lincoln Riley's best shot to win a title at Oklahoma. Now, the next question was, given the success of Alabama's freshman last year, the start of what is assured to be the Bryce Young era, and the insane talent coming in with this year's recruiting class, Will the upcoming version of Alabama largely be an army of underclassmen? If so, does this leave them vulnerable primarily to start the 2021 schedule? David, I'm not bold enough to use the word vulnerable with Alabama. I just, I've seen it happen too many times. So outside of injury, massive amounts of injuries, I'm not going to use the word vulnerable. However, um, yeah, there's a little bit of a transition period that's going to happen there. They open with Miami, and so that'll be fun to watch. That'll be a game in Atlanta. I, I really think Bryce Young is going to be a star there. I really think if they had if they were pressed into playing Bryce Young this past year, I think he would have been good this past year. It just so happens they had Mac Jones ready to go and compete at a Heisman caliber level. Bryce Young's going to be a stud. He is one now. Let me put it that way. I think he is one now. You and I will find out when we watch him on Saturdays this fall. But yeah, to answer the other question about the underclassmen, they're going to be a ton of them. I mean, look at the receiver position alone. The talent, really over the past two years they've lost there, 
it will it necessitates that young guys come in. John Mechie, you got him? Okay. Mechie can't play the position on his own. So you've got guys like Aggie A. Hall or Ja'Cory Brooks or Christian Leary, JoJo Earl. They have a quartet of elite receiver talent coming in and a lot of variety in body type and skill set in that receiver group. Those aren't four guys who look like twins when they walk in a room. You've got some some Jalen Waddle-looking guys. you got some Devontae Smith-looking guys. you got some Julio Jones-looking guys. I want to stress looking. They haven't played a down of football yet. But just when your eyeballs take a first glance, then that's what you see. So yes, I do believe that. I also believe that you're going to be young, obviously, at the uh, quarterback position. You know somewhere else I think they could be young that maybe people aren't going to tell you about in the preview magazines is the running back position. Because Brian Robinson, who feels like he's been there since that Julio Jones class, He is going to be listed as their starting running back. I have no reason to believe he won't be their starting running back. I think by the end of the year, you and I will be saying the best running back on that team is Jace McClellan, who will be a sophomore next year. But you've got guys like him. Trey Sanders is coming back from injury. We have not really been able to see him do much there. So that would also qualify as young. Roydell Williams got some very spotty playing time last year. He is very young, and so I think there is a ton of talent. That's without even mentioning Kamar Wheaton, the five-star true freshman coming in. I think it's going to end up being a lot of young guys that contribute at the running back position too. So I am looking very forward, as I am with a lot of places, to unproven guys who are ultra-talented. I mean, college football has evolved. We've watched it happen at coach and at player. We've watched it happen to where... As a coach, you don't need 30 years of experience before someone gives you a shot as a head coach anymore. And as a player, you don't have to come in and sit the bench two years before major programs will put you on the field. It's just a different age. And I think that's good for us because it adds to the flavor every year. And also, selfishly, if you work at a place that specializes in recruiting like 24-7, It also makes your job a lot more important because a lot more people are paying attention because they know the guys that they're watching on signing day, they're going to be watching on the field in many cases eight or nine months later. So, yeah, I mean, it gets really important. And I think to this point, yeah, if Alabama wins another national championship, they're going to be several true freshmen who are responsible for contributing to that effort. All right, we got to wrap it this morning. Uh, There's there are a few circumstances that are in place that made us go a little bit short this morning. But believe me, I know I keep promising we're going to stretch these. We are going to stretch these. So make sure that you do your part to submit the questions. JoshPate706 at gmail.com on Twitter at LateKickJosh. Also, we have got the concept in the oven. It is up to you when we pull it out. As soon as I go over 13,000 on Twitter at Late Kick Josh, as soon as we get that mark met, we are going with the new concept. We are going with the new show. I think it's going to be really fun. Here's what I think. I think when we do that show and you see how it's formatted and the flavor it takes on, it's not going to be some interview show, in other words. It's going to be me and about five to 10 of you basically sitting down at a lunch table chopping up college football. That's what we want it to be. That's what I want all of our shows to be anyway. It's just I am physically going to be looking at you and talking to you in this particular setting. I think a lot of you are going to love it. And so uh, ready to do that. And you know what? I could very easily see it becoming a staple of our off, excuse me, off season, our, our O word rotation, the word we, uh, we shan't speak of. So let's make that happen. Let's also keep those five-star reviews coming in on the Apple Podcast platform for the Late Kick Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For Producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your morning, a great early start to your weekend. We'll see you on Late Kick Live tonight. Until then, take care and God bless.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.